World's Finest Podcast, Episode 53. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? Uh, school's out, so that's that's really a huge load off. The stress level just stays the same, though, because of my new position at work, and just, I just my boss has been hounding me and hounding me. So, what's this? Uh, what's this new position? I don't think I know anything about this. Oh, I'm the uh, pricing clerk now. In addition to what I'm already doing, so it's I'm just splitting duties. Like three days a week, I'll be doing the pricing thing, and then two days I'll be back at the service desk. Is it more money? I'm not asking you what you make, but is it more money? Not yet. Okay. Uh, well, the yet. We like the yet. It'll open up an opportunity to get more money. Okay. Not really much else going on. Uh, how about you? Just settling into my new place. How is it? It's good. You know, as we record this, I've been living in here, I don't know what, not quite two weeks, probably uh, about 10 days or so. And, uh, you know, it's starting to feel like my place. It really is. Um, it was it was cute, though. The first couple of days I was here, maybe the first week I was here, I made my bed every day, made it look respectable, and now I just get out of bed and I just, like, leave it, you know? <laughs> this morning, uh, I don't remember why, but I had to... Oh, I had done laundry the other day, and I, I didn't feel like folding it, so I just dumped all the laundry on the bed this morning when I was looking for whatever shirt I was looking for. And uh, I took a nap before we recorded this, and I wasn't even going to put the laundry back in the basket. I was just going to crawl into the bed with the laundry all there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm turning into, like, one of those sloppy bachelor types. <laughs> I'm already like that. I never put my clean clothes up. They're always draped over my the end of my bed. It's just where they are. But, yeah, I, I guess that just means I'm starting to feel much more comfortable in the place. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get to know the neighborhood. You know, I'm really trying to get to know this area. Uh, so, you know, I've just been walking around a lot, uh, checking it out, you know, just, just stuff like that. So, yeah, that's all I've been up to, really. Well, and podcasting and editing podcasts and doing other such podcasty things. <laughs> if there's another person on the face of this planet that does more podcast stuff than you, I, I shudder to think what their life is like. <laughs> I'm sure there's one or two other people who do more podcasting stuff than I do, but, uh, you know, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm probably up there. <laughs> and of course, you know, there's, there's the new podcast that's starting up at the end of June uh, Des and I were going to be starting up that segment that's replacing Is It Wednesday Yet Soon, so it looks like uh, Earth Student at the show might go back to being twice weekly. Um, so, yeah, lots of podcast stuff. But as I was telling someone the other day, you know, if I didn't love doing it, I wouldn't do it in the slightest. And uh, we should also let our listeners know that, as promised, the first of Aaron's uh, The Batman Adventures reviews went up last Wednesday. Uh, of course, that was The Batman Adventures number one. Uh, next Wednesday, you'll be able to read her review of The Batman Adventures number two. So make sure you're checking those out at earth2.net, www.earth-number2.net. Yeah, do read those, not just because, you know, she's my girlfriend and all, but um, some people way back in the day asked us if we would be covering those. Some people urged us to cover those. And, well, we have somebody doing it for us. And the, the important thing about those is um, they a lot of these comics kind of cover some of the pl uh, plot holes uh, that happen in the cartoon. So 
uh, like future future issues will. I know Aaron has told me uh, at least one from Superman that uh, that we wondered about. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but yeah, there's a there's a reason to go check them out. If we you know we have questions about oh well, how the hell did that happen? And, you know, why did it happen? Well, maybe the comics will answer it. Yeah, I've long wanted to read those comics um, just to see how they match up quality-wise with the DC Animated Universe. I've just never had the time to sit down and actually read any of them. So I'm hoping this review series uh, kicks me in the ass and makes me read the comics. And it, it is increasing my interest more and more. So, yeah. Alrighty then. Shall we get to emails? Yes, First one today is from Glade, who writes, Really quick, in episode 45, you asked for people who did the baby thing in high school. I did, and a friend of mine uh, dressed the, the bag of wheat as Batman. Anyway, I was also wondering when you guys are going to review The Dark Knight. Thank you guys again for the wonderful podcast, and honestly, I am not a huge fan of the Zeta Project and Static Shock, but since you guys are really entertaining, I'll stomach it. Huh. Oh, and Mike, if you're interested, I know of a free dating website, and i got to say, wow. I got really lucky in the sense that I met a fellow Batman fan, and we were hitting it off really good. <laughs> uh, well, uh, send me the link there, Glade. Send me the link. Um, uh, let's see. The Dark Knight. Um, when we get to it... No, pulling the curtain back, uh, James, Ian, and myself, we are uh, going back and forth right now discussing schedules. Uh, and trying to get ourselves through the Schumacher films, uh, which which will then, of course, get us to um, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Uh, next one's from Graham, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I liked your review of this, uh, the first Seda Project episode. Mike, you did a good job of explaining Bennett. He kind of reminds me of Amanda Waller in the JLU. Agent West is a cool character, like you said about that, uh, that voice actor that does his voice. That would be Michael Rosenbaum. And Kid Flash's voice in Teen Titans and Flash's voice in Justice League. Notice how Agent West's last name is West, like Wally West, a.k.a. Flash and Kid Flash, and they also have the same colored hair. Kind of interesting. Thanks a lot, Mike and James. Your podcast is great, and I hope you continue doing well with Zeta. You know, had Zeta been produced after or during Justice League, I would maybe say they were trying to say that West was a relative of Wally's. What with Michael Rosenbaum doing all the voices, with all of them being gingers. But I, I think it's just a funny little coincidence. Because you can't tell me they knew they were going to cast Rosenbaum for Flash and then for Kid Flash and Teen Titans years later. And that's why they yeah. named this character. It's, it, you just can't. It's just, it's just a great little coincidence. Mm -hmm. All righty then. Next one's from Tim who writes, Hey guys, I guess I was wrong about Gotham Girls. Thanks for correcting me. You guys should consider yourselves blessed not to have, to have not seen Birds of Prey. It's up there with the Burton Schumacher films. And when you guys are finished reviewing those on Earth2.net, the show, you should review the show. I guarantee that there will be more ranting and slamming your heads on desks than ever before. No, I can guarantee you my head's never going to hit another desk again. No, yeah, I'm about to say, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> then again, we haven't gotten to Batman and Robin yet. I'll tell you what, that's going to be my head hitting the desk and maybe worse. Anyway, I wanted to tell you that the reason I believe Teen Titans has caused so much controversy in the DCAU is Bruce Tim produced it for the first two seasons, then left. He said he could fit it into continuity if he had to. So even, it's, even if it's not in the DCAU, it's in the Timbers. And either way, I'm glad to hear you reviewing it. With thanks, Tim. Next one is a second one from Graham, who wrote, uh, Hi, Mike and James. I had a few questions for you. I know you said you won't do these series, but are the two newest kids WB superhero cartoons, The Batman and Legion of Superheroes, do you think they're in the same universe? Also, why will you not do those but do Teen Titans? Teen Titans has a little bit of similar animation style to the Batman and Legion of Superheroes, and Teen Titans is definitely not part of the DCAU 
as you guys have done so far. Robin in Teen Titans is not the same Dick Grayson as we saw in BTAS, and I know Robin from Teen Titans is Dick Grayson. Should we even? Well, yeah, you know, he bothered to write in, so, yeah. uh, you know, we'll do this quickly. Uh, as for the Batman and the Legion of Superheroes, um, I don't think they're in the same continuity. Um, I think they just have a similar art style. But I, I can't say one way or another. As for the Teen Titans, I don't know, listen to WFP episodes 1 through 30 to hear various arguments about why we're doing it. Uh, it boils down to this. There are enough reasons for us to consider it in continuity, even if it's sort of a loose continuity. Um, James and I, we think it's in continuity. It, it fits in for us, and that's why we're covering it. West, where are you? On a train. They're on it, too. I saw them. Don't worry. I'll stop the train. No. Don't move a muscle. Look outside, West. How many agents do you see surrounding the train? Uh, zero. Exactly. If you stop that train, those two are going to disappear. Now stay where you are and we'll come to you. Where's the train headed? I have no idea. Then ask somebody. No, wait. Boss, I'm going to get him myself. First up today is Westbound. This episode, we basically rejoin Zeta and Ro on their journey. Uh, and this time, they have to get away from Agent West, who's pursuing them aboard a passenger train. Uh, I believe it was across the country. Um, and we see that Zeta's holomorphing ability has, uh, gets kind of jacked up and weirded out whenever they pass a Transformer. Uh, in the train, and it causes him to look like w the last person that he looked at. Um, well, and most of the episode is really just Agent West chasing him through this train uh, until he finally corners them in the last car, S and he ends up shooting a hole in the floor of the car, causing the uh, I guess the guidance mechanism of that car to be destroyed, and uh, it, it causes the car to start careening around and uh, very dangerously. Zeta tells Ro to get off the car so he can unlatch it before it causes the entire train to crash. Um, so Zeta gets uh, the unconscious Agent West off the car because he got knocked out and all this in this mess. Uh, but Ro was unable to get off the train. Well, Zeta holds the car long enough for her to get off while the NSA agents surround him on top of the train. Uh, they almost capture him, but he, he eludes them by jumping onto another train. And at the station, both trains arrive, and Zeta and Ro meet up in a botanical garden uh, nearby while Agents Lee and West are reunited. And really, the episode just ends with uh, Agent Lee wondering how West made it out of the uh, the whole ordeal alive, since he was unconscious. I mean, you know, she would think, why would Zeta or Ro be willing to save them? And because there's there would have been nobody else around. So that's pretty much it. So, what are your thoughts about this one? Uh, I think it was decent. Good, good. I was liking this one a little too. It was pretty solid. I, I'm not. It's not like fantastic or anything, but it certainly was above average. Um, but one one big question I have is, when Agent West gets knocked out, was he knocked out by a cardboard box? He hit his head on something. Uh, did it crumple? I don't remember if the package or yeah, box crumpled. It, yeah, it crumpled. That's why I'm, I'm thinking it looked like it was cardboard. <laughs> well, maybe there was some frying pans inside? Uh, who knows what was inside the cardboard an box? Anvil. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone was shipping an anvil in a cardboard box. Um, yeah, I have to assume whatever was inside the box was just uh, a, a bit weightier than the box itself. What I was really digging with this one is that... Yeah, Agent West, you know, he blunders around, but 
I think he was redeemed a little in this episode. You know, he takes it upon himself to hunt these two down because he gets trapped on the train with them. You know, he, he steps on the train to see if they're on there and boom, it takes off. And, you know, well, he's on there. He might as well hunt them down. And uh, he corners them quite a few times. And the only reason he's ultimately defeated is because uh, Zeta morphs his head into a barking dog, if I remember correctly, which then scares West, and he stumbles backwards. I mean, really, who wouldn't be afraid of that if suddenly this giant robot had a barking dog head? And, you know, when he, when he falls, he accidentally pulls the trigger, causing the, the whole accident. I mean, you really can't fault him for that. He just had a natural, fearful reaction. And I, I was liking that. I like the fact that they're showing, okay, look, this guy isn't the best agent in the world, but he can do his job. Uh, what I liked best about this episode was that ending where uh, they're planting more seeds of doubt into Lee, Agent Lee's mind about, you know, is Zeta really evil? It was really a very, very good ending. Uh, because it, she was a logical question, you know, how how could West have possibly got off the train when he was clearly unconscious the whole time, and there was nobody else around except Ro and Zeta? So I I really like that a lot. Yeah, I like the fact that they're building continuity from one episode to the next, uh, and they're building up this side character. I mean, really, your three main characters are Ro, Zeta, and Bennett, mm-hmm. but they're taking the time to build up. Agent Lee, of all people. And this whole episode was a focus on Agent West. So they are focusing on these smaller characters. And, you know, that's that's always been a strength of the cartoons in the DC Animated Universe. Yeah, they, they do develop the lead characters, but they also develop secondary characters. Or even characters you're only going to see once or twice. Uh, let's look at Annie from Growing Pains. I mean, mm-hmm. think about all the depth they put into her, and she appears in oh. one episode. Just just little things like that. So, yeah, I mean, th- this may not be the best show in the DC Animated Universe, but they're still putting effort into it. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I don't really have any more notes, just because, like I said in the summary, most of this episode is just Wes chasing them through the train. That's a good at least 75% of the episode. <laughs> Pretty much so. <laughs> um, I do have some more notes about this one, though. Um one of them comes down to Agent Bennett. And last time I said, you know, I liked what they were doing with Bennett, you know, building him up. You know, you could see his point of view. He's not really a bad guy, though he is the antagonist, all that. Well, in this one, he's claiming Zeta wants to destroy the train. Why? I I didn't understand where he was coming from there. Just all of a sudden, it's like, that's what he does. He destroys trains. Like, what? Huh? Since, since, since when? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's like they took everything they did with him in that first episode, and they're just throwing it out the window. I mean, they might as well give him a mustache to twirl and a big black cowboy hat. Well, he is modeled after the ultimate uh, mustache twirler weather wizard, so... <laughs> Which frees over Australia. <laughs> and uh, something else I wanted to point out in this one uh, it has to do with West himself. Did you notice that when... Uh, West got knocked out, and he was sort of, like, mumbling to himself. He was dreaming of becoming a regional manager or a vice president. Even in his own dreams, he doesn't aspire to be the top dog, the president, or, like, a CEO of a company. He just wants to be the regional manager or the vice president. (laughs) He just wants to have some power. Yeah. I thought that was a nice little insight into the character. Um, Because, hey, not everybody wants the the top dog's chair. I I know I don't. Right, exactly. (laughs) And I work work in a very hierarchical 
uh, place, and I don't want to be the top person. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it. Right, but he still wants to move up, and it's it's funny, but it's uh, it's it's character development. You bought something else? Gift wrap for all that stuff. Bland and boring, just the way they like it in Hicksburg. I thought you said the town was called Hillsburg. It'll always be Hicksburg to me. The Morgans, the folks I lived with, I wasn't exactly their kind of people. Of course, I was trouble. Not like their real daughter, Tiffy. Little Miss Goody Goody. Even when I was being good, it wasn't as good as Tiffy. If it was so bad, why go back? I'm not saying it'll be fun, but they're the earliest foster family I remember. There must have been paperwork when they took me. Maybe they'll know how to find my real family. Next up is Hicksburg. In this one, uh, Roe decides to take Zeta back to this little town called Hillsburg. And uh, the reason, reason she's doing this is because uh, it, it's twofold, actually. She, she kind of wants to see her first foster family. Um, but the reason she really wants to see them is because she's had a change of heart, of course, which we mentioned last time, in that she's starting to want to find out where she came from. She wants to find her parents. And uh, she's hopeful that uh, her foster folks uh, will have some sort of records about her biological family. Uh, while they're on the way there, uh, we see, this actually happens before the episode begins, but basically what happens is Ro is deciding she's going to try to impress uh, this family. They really didn't think, or she had the impression that they didn't think that she would make much out of herself. So she has Zeta buy a car, or rent a fancy car, fancy clothes, stuff like that to impress them. And uh, Zeta takes it upon himself to use his holographic thingamajig to make himself look like this famous young actor. What was the actor's name? Do you remember? Oh, God. I was it something Flame or something Blaze or something like that? I'll look it up. Okay, but whatever it was, uh, Zeta impersonates this guy, and, uh, you know, this, the the cover story is that Roe is uh, his personal assistant, and he's coming to the small town to research what it, what life as a logger is, because I guess it's a logging town. Um, so uh, this is going on. Uh, Roe's sister, her foster sister, uh, gets swooned by Zeta as this young actor, uh, and her boyfriend gets very jealous. Uh, he goes into town to get some smelling salts. While he's there, he tells some friends that this actor's in town. Um, those friends tell more friends, and this just snowballs until the media arrives. When the media arrives, of course, cameras arrive, so Roe and this quote-unquote actor are... You know, they're, they're beamed across all of television. The NSA picks this up and they're like, no, wait a minute, this is weird. Because this actor is in this little town, but he, at the same time he's doing an interview in California, what's up? They look at the footage, they see Roe, they know that must be Zeta. So they swoop in. In the meantime, uh, Roe's uh, foster father uh, persuades uh, the actor. Have you looked up his name yet? Uh, Adam Heat. Adam Heat, okay. I, I said Blaze or Flame or something. Okay, Heat. Yeah, it was so um, close persuades Adam Heat, in quotes, to um, help out um, his biological daughter. She wants to be an, actor, an actress herself, and he says, look, you know, I'm going to help, you know, I'm doing a favor for you guys. I'm trying to help Roe find these records. Can you do a favor for me and do a scene with my daughter at the local community theater? So, you know, Zeta says, okay, I'll do this, but that causes the boyfriend to get jealous because it was a scene he and his girlfriend were supposed to do together, and now he's stuck uh, uh, handling the, the holographic projector. It just projects the sets. Uh, things go wrong. Um, I don't remember what happens. Is what, How does Zeta get revealed? I don't remember. Um... Somehow Zeta gets revealed. And, uh, you know, we saw a wanted poster of him earlier, so everybody knows uh, that, that this is a wanted fugitive. 
uh, the, the, he runs into the forest, uh, the, 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 the sheriff he pursues, uh, it, then they, they, this whole accident happens with this, with this like hovering logging truck. Uh, it starts careening out of control towards the theater where everybody's still sitting. Zeta has to stop it. Uh, he does, of course, saving all these lives. And, uh, the episode ends with the NSA showing up. Uh, but, uh, the sheriff says, look, you just missed them. They hopped in their car and they got out of here. Why don't you go follow them? It turns out he was actually covering for Roe and Zeta who were still hanging around. They were hiding in some of the rubble. Um, and the episode ends with, uh, Roe's foster sister saying, uh, I know when I was a kid, I was a brat. I apologize. Uh, and, but I got to say one of the ways I was a brat is, uh, you had this picture that you didn't know about and, uh, I stole it from you and I want to give it back to you. Um, and they say it was your brother. Dun, dun, dun. So there we go. <laughs> um, before I ask you anything about this episode, I, I have to chime in with something here. By all means. The foster father at the end of the episode tells Ro, I'm sorry I couldn't find the papers for you. So we know right there that this guy knows dick all about Ro's biological parents, correct? I assume so. Yet Ro's foster sister has a picture of who, quote unquote, they say was her brother. So if they know dick all about her biological family... How can they, in quotes, know that this is supposed to be her brother? And uh, why is she just finding out about it like 15 years later or whatever? How come she didn't know that she had her brother? Why did her foster parents never bring it up? You know, where did this little girl steal the picture from to begin with? How did Ronette know she had that picture? Yeah, exactly. I, th I thought it was like an okay episode up to like that point, and then that really ruined it for me. And yes, I know that's literally the last 10 seconds of the episode, but that really ruined it for me, I have to tell you. Uh, hey, an, an episode ruination can happen in any amount of time. I've, mm -hmm. We found that out before. Yeah. Yeah, but this episode is average, I think. It's not great, not bad or anything, but... I know you had your your thing there. This is my big question about the episode. So this guy and a troublemaker you knew years and years ago just show up at your door. I, I, who knows how many years later since you last saw him. Okay, the dude just walks up and kisses your girlfriend, causing her to faint. And though you facially show your displeasure towards this, you just drive off to get something for her and leave them in the cabin alone with her. Are you a fucking nimrod? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. The guy could have taken her to the hospital or to a doctor, and he just leaves him alone with, like, these people he just met. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with this guy? There, there's apparently a lot wrong with this guy. I mean, one of my biggest gripes with this one was that Roe and the boyfriend, whose name I just cannot remember, um, were just really bitchy throughout this whole episode. Like, extremely bitchy, and... The guy you can sort of kind of maybe understand because he's a little jealous, though I think they went way overboard with it. But what was Roal caddy about? She apparently was uh, mistreated by this girl in her childhood, I guess, sort of. Yeah, but... I don't... I'm just That's the explanation they offered. Right, I, I know that's the explanation they give, but the thing is, is when Rose shows up, everything seems all kosher between them. And then... 
like halfway through when they need there to be drama, then those two start, you know, going at it and yelling at each other. And I'm like, where was this when they first met up? It's, it's, it's seriously, it felt to me like they just added it in because they were like, shit, we need a little drama. We need some tension between the characters. Oh, okay. They didn't like each other when they were kids. Okay, go from there. Like, mm-hmm. really? Oh, oh, okay. Where was this two, three, four minutes ago? Um, and, and I don't know. Rose was just way over the top with it, too, because she was all like, she, she was claiming that her foster sister used to be a brat, and she's still a brat, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, what is she doing now that's bratty? She's not doing anything. And speaking of the girl, Tiffany, what the hell was up with her character model? Why? What, what happened? It, it, I swear to God, it looked like somebody took Pippi Longstocking, threw a sweater on her, and just tossed her into a taffy puller. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, I can she, see it. She, don't, you, you remember, she was like, I don't know, she was proportioned really weirdly. She seemed like she was just extremely thin and kind of, I don't, I don't even know how to describe her character. I would have to post it on the forums or something. It was just a bizarre and not good character model at all. I didn't take issue with it uh, when I watched the episode, but now hearing you describe it, I'm sort of like, yeah, I don't disagree with what James is saying there. (laughs) Take it away from the rants for a minute. Uh, Clancy Brown. Yay! Oh, yeah. I was shocked to see him come in to to play a one-off character like that, but that was cool. And this episode desperately needed it, as we were finding out. Yeah, it, it did. He was he was definitely a bright spot in a um, ho-hum episode here. And I, and I gotta say, my grade is dropping. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is on mine, too. I had slightly below average on this one, and as we talk about it, it's like, scribble, here's a new grade. Scribble, nope, here's another new one. Um <laughs> But getting back to Clancy Brown, um, of course he's gonna make any character sound awesome. But uh, you know he gave like this this dignity to the small town sheriff, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I like that because a lesser actor might have played the sheriff as a bit of a hick, a redneck, maybe made him seem not so competent. Because by golly, he's a small town sheriff. But Clancy Brown comes in, and he doesn't play it as strong as he plays Lex Luthor, but he brings pride to the character. You know, we don't know much about this sheriff, but we know he loves his job. He does the best he can at his job. He loves his family, and that includes Roe. You know, and at the end, we see him stand up for Zeta and Roe. And there's just this humanity to this guy, all because of Clancy Brown. And his character is very good. Even if Clancy Brown wasn't voicing his character, it was a, a very good one-off character because he's never wrong. He, he, Roe, he was right in his character assessment of Roe. She never made good decisions as a child, but he comes around to realize that, you know what, she finally is, you know, starting to do something worthwhile with her life. And that's why he stands up for her and tells and just gets the NSA agents out of there for him. So I really, really dug his character in in this episode. And I, I believe it's uh, Wendell, I believe was his name, uh, Sheriff Wendell Morgan. But that's two episodes in a row where we're having some good character development for lesser characters. So I, I can only hope it keeps up. Um, but speaking of the NSA, uh, I have to say there was no point for them to really be in this episode, except to remind us that they're on their trail. Yeah, I mean, if this were like the first episode somebody was watching... That's why they were thrown in this episode. Right, and I understand that. I, you know, I, I get that, and I see what they were going for there. But at the same time, if you take them out, you lose maybe 
90 to 120 seconds of the episode, which you could easily fill with a couple of gags or a little bit of dialogue slash character development. Wayne Powers owns an interest in the mall. I was given this vid as a heads up before it even leaks to the news. Zeta? It won't be long before Agent Bennett sees what we're seeing. Are you sure it's him? The mall's security system was damaged, but I was able to resolve one more clip. He swore he wouldn't kill anymore. It's in his programming. He was built to kill. And now he's running around loose because I let him go. Where are you going? To stop him. Okay, third up today is Shadows. In this episode, uh, it begins with uh, the Infiltration Unit 7 uh, from a few episodes back. That was the unit that was sent to kill the Death Merchant (laughs) and that Zeta had just had to go save for whatever reason uh, that ended up being uh, what they, they thought it was destroyed, uh, that being Roe and Zeta. They thought it was destroyed, but it clearly wasn't. And it's now resuming its search and destroy mission against Zeta. Um, and it tracks Roe and Zeta to a shopping mall in Gotham City. I wonder whom we might be encountering in this episode. Roe is trying to teach Zeta about uh, the concept of fun uh, while they're waiting for Dr. Zelig to finish a genetics conference. Um, and when Zeta takes on the form of a kid to have some fun, the IU-7 shows up uh, and disguises itself as Zeta's human form to fool Roe into giving up his whereabouts. So uh, the real Zeta shows up, is still in the kid form, and the, I- the IU-7 wastes no time in trying to destroy Zeta as he starts blasting away at everything in sight. And uh, after all said and done, uh, Roe ends up getting hurt. She gets knocked unconscious. Uh, but Zeta is able to get himself and uh, and her out of there as the authorities arrive. Um, and after this, we shift to none other than the Batcave, uh, where Bruce Wayne is uh, saying that he got the footage of the mall attacks uh, before a press conference because of his Wayne Powers connections. And Terry sees the carnage and recognizes the attacker as Zeta. And he takes this close to heart because... Uh, as we'll remember from Batman Beyond, he let him go in the episode Countdown because he swore he'd never kill again. Well, he takes off in the Batmobile, uh, and meanwhile, Roe is having an MRI done at a, a hospital, and it's ter- uh, determined she has a mild concussion. So uh, Zeta then starts to wonder if he can subject Roe to this danger all the time anymore. Uh, Terry arrives at the mall, uh, the destroyed mall, and wonders if he'll be able to even find Zeta, much less take him down. And... Uh, after Bruce tells him that Roe is admitted to the nearby hospital, uh, he flies off to see what's, to see what's going on. Uh, and unbeknownst to him, the IU-7 was listening in the shadows at the wreckage of the mall. So at the hospital, Zeta again laments Roe's condition at her bedside, uh, saying, you know, I, this, is, this is horrible. I mean, I can just pull out this little thing here and repair myself. You, you can't do that. And this is all in soliloquy, of course. So, But... You know, he re- he pulls his little repair gun out of its compartment to uh, fix the scrapes put into his uh, torso by the IU-7. And Batman arrives outside the hospital window and sees Zeta holding this gun over Rose's body, and he assumes he's about to murder her. So he just busts in and starts tossing Zeta all over the place. Um, and it, he ends up grabbing a defibrillator and starts just jacking Zeta up with, like, a thousand volts of electricity over and over and over again. And Roe awakens and stops him in the nick of time. But uh, after this, the IU-7 busts in, and uh, the fight resumes. And this time, it's Zeta and Batman against the IU-7. 
Um, well, eventually the IU-7 knocks Batman out, and the fight spills back into the MRI room uh, that Roe was in earlier. Um, and it was it, it's uh, interesting here because the room held a humongous electromagnet for uh, d- uh, to do these MRIs, which uh, Zeta activates on a timer for 15 seconds, and he lures the IU-7 into the room, fully preparing to sacrifice himself uh, to get rid of this uh, murderous IU, IU unit. Well, at the last second, Batman arrives, shoots his grapple, and snatches Zeta out of the room as the electromagnet activates at full power and just utterly obliterates the IU-7. Batman kind of sort of apologizes to Zeta, who says, don't worry, it was a natural reaction. No hard feelings for that thousand-volt assault you put on me a few minutes ago. So Terry leaves, and uh, Zeta c- tries to convince Ro not to stay with him, but Ro insists that she is going to stay with him uh, because she's having fun. You know, I think I remember saying I was kind of excited about the cliffhanger with, with the way we left uh, IU-7. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of excited to see what they did with him when they brought him back. Yeah, not so much anymore, you know. <laughs> oh, God, this this episode just... Uh, I seriously don't know where to start. Um, while, while, I, while I gather my thoughts, why don't you start us off? I feel kind of weird because I kind of like this episode. Oh, come on. Are you serious? Well, see, this now this is where you're going to have to say something. I'm going to be like, you know what? Yeah, you've got a good point there because I have a feeling that's exactly where this is leading. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'll go ahead uh, and admit one horrible, horrible problem I have with this episode, and it's in the elevator shaft. Okay, the IU-7 slices the elevator cables, and the elevator starts plummeting towards the ground. But several seconds later... We see the elevator, and it's only like, I don't know, 25 feet away from the IU-7. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> no. That was a horrible, horrible animation glitch. You know, another problem I have is with not how the IU-7 is destroyed, because I really thought that was very cool. That was. But, I will give the episode that, yeah. But I have to wonder why the hospital would have an elect- that electromagnet have a setting that high. Because really, I think if a human were sub- ex- uh, exposed to that, it would rip every atom in their body just apart. And I thought the animation in this episode was clunky as all hell. Oh, God, I thought you were, you, you were scaring me for a second there. I thought you were going to say the animation. I was liking it. And I'm like, no, no, oh, no. And then you're like, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Clunk- clunky is the best word I can use to describe it. It was just, there was no fluidity to it whatsoever. It, it was Characters just seemed rigid and being thrown about and very awkward ways just yeah it was bad animation and there were a ton of animation flubs too um when ro is with the fake zeta the iu7 zeta she's holding the stuffed monkey and i think for a split second she has a slice of pizza in the same hand then you know they're going down the escalator she sees the real zeta in uh, his child form, she realizes what's going on, and she turns around and she throws the pizza in the face of the IU-7, who's still looking like Zeta. But the monkey's completely gone. She didn't drop it, they just forgot it was there, and now it's very clear she has pizza in her hand, when before, it was really only for a split second that it was there. So they couldn't remember what she was holding. A monkey, pizza, or both. After that, when they're in the hospital... And Zeta's holding the repair gun, as you called it, uh, over Row. Uh, he only has three scratches at this point. Previously, though, the IU-7 put five scratches in him. 
but he's had no time to repair those scratches. So he went from five to three. He starts to repair one of the three. That's when Batman comes in and starts kicking the shit out of him, and all of a sudden, all the scratches are gone. Um, but while we're talking about that repair gun, um, I, I have to say something else about it. Where did this come from? He never had a repair gun before. He had a little metal arm that came out and repaired him. He never had to pull a gun out of his side and do it himself. They just needed to have a. They just needed him to have a weapon as he stood over Row. I gotta say, like, if they're gonna do something like that, I think normally I'd be able to kind of overlook it. But since they've clearly established that Zeta has gotten rid of all of his uh, detachable weapons. You know, why would he have something like that? Especially because they've, you know, like you said, they've previously established he has a little contraption built into himself that repairs it for him. And, you know, while we're on uh, the uh, the arsenals of the uh, the IUs, um, I see that the IU-7 is still shooting food-shaped heavy explosives at its target. But, um, but you know, this time they look less like cinnamon buns and more like orange slices. I had to make a note of that because I made such a big deal about it last time. I had to bring it up again. Well, at least this time he's shooting lethal weapons. Remember last time all he had was, like, gas canisters. Yeah. And he does shoot a few gas canisters in this one. And I thought the way he took out Batman was really cool, grabbing him by the skull and just pumping gas right into his mouth. Yep. That was neat. That's, again, something I have to give this episode. Um, but beyond that, I mean, he was shooting, like, high explosives and shells and everything. I mean, he wasn't caring that he was tearing up a mall, you know, putting innocent people in danger. Um, and why would he? I mean, he's he's gone rogue, you know, this thing. He, he's not following his original programming anymore. So, yeah, he, he doesn't care who he hurts as long as he can get Zeta. And another thing I have to ask, and this is kind of a – since this is in the same universe, there's a continuity flub here. Hmm. Why is Wayne Powers still called Wayne Powers at this point? This episode's events clearly do occur after Countdown, which was the last episode of the series, right, of Batman Beyond, wasn't it? Uh, it was It was right near the end. I don't, it might have okay. been the end, though, yeah. Regardless of that, it's it happened well after Paxton was sent to prison. There's no reason this, that that company should be called Wayne Powers anymore. When was it called Wayne Powers? I don't remember hearing that or seeing that. Remember uh, when they first show Bruce and Terry in the cave, uh, Bruce says, I, ha I got this uh, footage uh, early before the media did, thanks to my connections at Wayne Powers. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that at all. I don't know. Wow. That's annoying to me. I'm, I have to take off for that because it's this is clearly in the same era co and continuity uh, in the DCAU. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about the Batman portion of, you know, this Zeta episode. Uh, first, I have to say that Batman is way out of character. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is grossly out of character. It's like, oh, look, Zeta's running amok. I'm going to go destroy me a robot, Bruce! He doesn't think that maybe they're misinterpreting the film. Never mind that that's actually happened to him. And he just goes off and starts kicking Zeta's ass. And it's like, look, I understand you need drama. You need to put the two heroes at odds. I read comic books. That's what most comic book battles are. you got two heroes. They don't see eye to eye. They start fighting. Oh, this was all a mistake. Let's team up and fight the bad guy. You know, I'm used to that sort of thing. But at least keep the characters in character. Not just have them lose their shit like they had Terry do here. Because Terry just goes crazy. What's especially annoying about that, uh, and maybe angering about that, is is that the whole time in Batman Beyond, we're 
driven the point is driven home that you know Terry is maturing and he's learning from his mistakes i.e. his early mistakes of just running into everything without thinking about it they just threw all that down the toilet with this episode yeah i mean the thing that really sets him off is okay that pillar fell down and zeta caught it so it didn't crush that little boy that's what really happened the the but the picture that bruce has makes it look like zeta is going to throw the pillar on the little boy now if batman both of the guys bruce and terry are these great detectives wouldn't they have like seen if a little boy had been crushed by a pillar yeah. when they have looked yeah, at hey. the police or hospital records as they could easily get their hands on because hell they have the back computer and say wait no little kid was crushed by a pillar so this image we're misinterpreting it you know oh it, 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 oh, it just annoyed me there um was it just me or was bruce wayne's voice like way off I know it was uh, Kevin Conroy, but it did not sound right at all to me. I, I honestly don't think it sounded any different to me. It sounded, I want to say, shaky and uh, just not of the caliber I'm used to. But, again, regarding the voices, in this episode, I can't speak of the last one he was in, but in this one, was IU-7 voiced by Kevin Conroy? No, I think the IU-7 was actually voiced by uh, the same guy who does Zeta. Oh, was he? Yeah, Diedrich Bader. He also does the voice of Batman in Brave and the Bold. Oh, wow. Because oh. I tried looking that up, and I, I, I couldn't find who voices IU-7, but at a couple of points it sounded like uh, like Kevin Conroy there, but maybe it is the same guy that does. Are you, are you saying you think it is, or it is for sure? I am, like, 99% sure, because if you listen to IU-7's voice, think about Brave and the Bold Batman, and it'll... And it'll come to you right there. I, th I really think it will. And today's temperatures range from a cool 85 at the beach to a moderate 110 in the valley. Coming up next, our weather forecast for the month. Any hits on Selig? Not yet. Tonight's top story. Technology mogul Peter Pennington's son, Wade Pennington, was kidnapped late this afternoon. Whoa, catch this. Police are searching for two suspects described by the victim's bodyguard as... Strangers at the house this afternoon. A dark-haired guy and a blonde girl. They must be the ones who took him. Z, he means us. Next up is Crime Waves. In this one, uh, Zeta takes Roe to Malibu. Um, they're just chilling out, right? They're not there looking for anybody. They're just on holiday. Yeah. Okay. And uh, while they're there, um, they see this uh, young man, uh, maybe a teenager, getting chased by these three thugs. They're all on these sort of hover motorcycles. And uh, Zeta, being the hero that he is, he interferes, and he's able to save the young man's life. And uh, this this young man, he's... You know, he's grateful to a point, and uh, he invites them back to his mansion. Uh, it turns out he is Wade Pennington, the son of some muckety-muck. Uh, this, this, whoever he's the son of, uh, he's so famous that Roe actually recognizes uh, the family name. Um, but regardless, before they go back to the mansion, we find out that Wade has a bodyguard by the name of Sven, uh, who should have been at his side protecting him from these thugs, but Sven was off doing something or other uh, that had him distracted, or so we're told. When uh, we next see the characters, they are at the Pennington Mansion, 
and uh, we see that Wade doesn't respect robots. Oh no, he treats them like <laughs> servants. He tells them to get him more lemonade when they're programmed to get him lemonade in the first place. Well, uh, Ro takes exception to this because, of course, her best buddy is a robot himself. Um, oh, that's so fucking ridiculous. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it? Um, they, Ro takes Zeta and they kind of storm out in a huff after Wade does kind of act like a, a bit of a bitch. And, uh, Later on, there they they see on the TV that uh, Wade has been kidnapped, and uh, the the bodyguard. Uh, there's a clip of him telling the police. I don't know why there's a clip of this, but there is of him telling the police that uh, yeah, this young blonde woman and this dark haired guy uh, came over to the mansion, and next thing I knew, Wade was gone. They must be the kidnappers. So now, right there, you know. That Sven is a douchebag, and he's pulling the crime himself. You know, if you can't figure it out right there, you're not very perceptive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it appears that Zeta and Ro aren't very perceptive because they don't figure it out. Uh, they waste time going to find the gang that had been harassing Wade earlier in the episode, uh, saying, "What'd you do to him?" And they're like, "Dude, nothing. We were paid to harass him. That's all. Not kidnap him." They're like, wait, who paid you? And they were like, that dumb bodyguard of his, Sven, he was paying us, but we, we weren't supposed to really do anything to him. Uh, so Ro and Zeta, uh, they they find out that Sven uh, is on a yacht with the boy. And uh, so they make their way over to the, to the, to the yacht because uh, Zeta, I don't know, he's got propellers in his feet or something. And they're able to get out there. While they're there, Sven is able to uh, trap them. And he says what he's going to do is he's going to basically kill all of them. Um, and not only will he get the reward for uh, capturing the thugs that kidnapped uh, young Pennington, but he'll also get the ransom that the father is supposed to be paying. So he's really going to make out on this deal. Um, of course, that doesn't happen. Rowan, Zeta, and uh, Wade, they're all able to stop Sven. And the episode ends with Wade having a newfound appreciation for his robots. And no longer are they just his servants. They play basketball with him. I'm not making that up. No, he's not, folks. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, my God. This episode is terrible. In every aspect, this episode is terrible. The animation is god awful. the The voice acting sucks. the The story is outright stupid. <laughs> I, I there's not much else to say, really. I mean, no. I I've got one note for this episode, and it's really I just love how this douchebag Sven, who's maybe who's to this point I think is the most useless character that we've seen in Zeta. Mm -hmm. and if not, he's way up there. But I love how this guy can just accuse Ro and Zeta uh, of this kidnapping of this little snot-nosed punk with no evidence whatsoever except his hearsay. Yeah. And, uh, and and I really love that nobody questions, okay, well, what were you doing at the time? Uh -huh. Aren't you supposed to be his bodyguard? <laughs> and that's that's really it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. this episode. Yeah, I, I have one note for this episode, and it's Wade learns to play with robots. 
lame. <laughs> so this whole episode was about learning to appreciate our robotic, artificially intelligent friends. <laughs> this what? Is, this is like the, the, the retarded cartoon version of iRobot. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, fucking hell. There's just nothing to this episode. It lacks characterization. It lacks any semblance of story. Really, it does. There is no plot to this episode whatsoever. I mean, really, Ro and Zeta are on vacation. They see these, these three guys on bikes harassing this poor kid. Turns out he's a, du- he's a douchebag. His bodyguard's a douchebag who turns out to be a kidnapper and a potential murderer. And they save the day. Like, you could almost say Sven's plan to take not only the ransom, but also the reward money is somewhat smart. But we've seen that before. It's nothing new. This episode didn't do the characters, the cartoon, or the DCAU any favors in the slightest. I'm trying to think if there's anything good about this one. Normally, I'm able to think, oh, well, did you notice this? Or, hey, did you notice that? That was kind of cool. No, not here. Uh, this this episode officially gets the first fuck this episode of the Zeta Project. Yeah, see, I could almost understand Rose's reaction to the way Wade treats the robots if those other robots were clearly sentient, like Zeta is. But they're they're just service drones. That's it. Zeta is meant to learn and adapt. These things aren't. So there's a huge difference between the two and Rose just all like, you should appreciate all robots. And it's like, but there's a difference, you know? Oh, God. Uh, look, thanks for the assist back there, but you've obviously mistaken us for someone else. There's no mistake. The name's Crick. You, my friend, are one very wanted synthoid, and I'm taking you in. I don't understand. If you plan to turn us in, why did you help us escape the agents? I'm a bounty hunter. I'm in it for the reward. I didn't track you for two months just so I could lose you to those clowns. And lastly up today is Taffy Time. Yes, that's right. I said Taffy Time. Um, Ro and Zeta are being chased through a swamp by uh, Lee and West uh, when suddenly a dude on a hover a hover cycle, I guess is what they're called, uh, uh, saves them by causing the agent's ship to crash. Um, and this guy whose name is Crick, uh, lures them back to a candy factory, uh, out in the middle of nowhere and reveals that he intends to turn Zeta in to collect the reward for his capture because he's a bounty hunter, you see. Uh, well, Zeta gets Ro out through a garbage chute, but Agent Lee, who tracked them there, and Zeta get locked in this place, uh, by some kind of force field or something that honestly only looks like it takes up about, uh, 20 yards of the wall, of one wall of this place, but we'll get into that later. Well, Roe works on getting inside while Zeta contends with this psycho um, who ends up holding Agent Lee hostage. Um, well, eventually, Agent West makes his way to the factory, uh, factory where Roe has found a sewer grate to try and sneak through to get back into the factory. And he tries to apprehend her, but she tricks him into electrocuting himself in the force field. And uh, Crick has meanwhile tied uh, Agent Lee to a taffy puller and threatens to kill her with it unless Zeta shows himself. Well, Zeta ends up cutting the metal bars holding up a walkway, uh, and once one of these little uh, 
robot koalas uh, walks. It was a koala, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This robot koala kind of walks across it, and the weight is too much to bear for the cut, uh, the bridge, this little walkway, and it collapses on top of Zeta, making it seem like he's been destroyed, and and now Crick can't get his reward, so he's just going ape shit. By the time he realizes it was just a ruse, Zeta's on him, and he starts fighting him, and this huge fight just ensues that winds up with Crick being royally fucked up, and uh, Agent Lee pretty much lets Zeta and Ro go free. And that's really about it. Okay, I have no notes for this one. That's okay, because I've got a few rants. Oh, please go ahead. Okay, if this guy Crick is going to turn Zeta into the NSA to collect his reward... He sure isn't doing a very good job of endearing himself to them by attacking and assaulting two of their agents. And, you know, I admit, he claims, he says that he can claim Zeta did it, and he was a hero who, who uh, stopped the killer robot. But he forgot about Agent West. Agent West is going to come in there and see, uh, he's going to see his dead partner there, and nothing but this guy left. I don't, and, you know, I I don't know. It's just real, a really stupid thing, because the thing is, from the onset, he realizes that Lee and West are NSA agents. So why is he why is he gonna kill Agent Lee? That makes no sense whatsoever. Why doesn't he just say, "Okay, look, I'm gonna capture this dude so I can get the reward from you people, and then Lee can help him take him down or something"? You know. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing. One thing I did like about this episode is I like when Crick revealed. Uh, that the NSA is wrong about Zeta. He knows because apparently he's been tracking Zeta for a long time, and he's seen his behavior. He tries to he, – he just flat out says, look, he tries to save people, and he's going to try to save you because it's like he's been programmed to save people. So it's further – this is furthering the de- character development of Agent Lee, which, you know, we gave, we gave credit for it in the first episode. We have to give credit for it here. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> this character of Crick, besides that, is – He's terrible. He's a terrible character. And I really don't have any any one thing about it that I can put on it, but I just don't like his character, period. Well, so there. well what, what it is with him is he's... Okay, this would have been, in, been produced in, what, 2002-ish, thereabout? Uh, 2001. 2001. And he comes off like a comic book anti-hero from the 90s. He's all, like, he looks like a biker almost, like he's Lobo. He's supposed to have this bad boy attitude. He's he's some form of a cyborg. You know, he's <laughs> self-modified or whatever, you know. I'm, the name Rob uh, Liefeld comes to yeah, mind. Pretty much so. I mean, he really does come off like one of Liefeld's characters or a character that was inspired by, you know, Liefeld's type of character design. And it's like, come on, guys, this was the 2000s. This wasn't the 90s anymore. You know, we, we, you know, by this point, we knew designs like that were kind of crap, you know, so to still be using it, to still see it in, in a program produced, you know, not even 10 years ago, just really makes me shake my head and go, what were you thinking? You know, and they were giving them that same kind of 90s anti-hero attitude as well. It wasn't just all in the look. And I don't mean to be ragging on Liefeld. I'm not a Liefeld hater. I do think Liefeld, um, you know, Liefeld created Deadpool, or co-created him, great character. You know, co-created Cable, 
that's, that's a character that's near and dear to my heart. But it, we have to point out that Liefeld did do a lot of things in comics that weren't exactly good, and some of them were inspiring the, you know, the creation of characters like this is what it boils down to. So to see it bleed over into the DC animated universe, which of course we both love, it just kind of breaks my heart. It's like, no, you guys are better than this. No. I have here's a question I have. I want to know how old that chocolate is that Row ate. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good God, that that factory has clearly been abandoned for months, if not years. There's rust and mold everywhere, and she just goes into this vat and starts eating chocolate. <laughs> She should be getting some kind of bizarre disease from this shit. <laughs> hey, maybe that's the next episode. You know, maybe she's got some sort of crazy fever from from the from the nasty chocolate. I don't know. Oh god, I'm gonna have to say it. She's going cuckoo for cocoa puffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hell, do you want to say anything else about this one? I really don't. Yeah, there's just. Uh, you know, there's just nothing else to say about it. I, I don't want to shortchange any of these episodes, but Christ, what can you say, you know? Uh, let's do our scores then. Um, Westbound, what are you going to give this one? I will give that one a six. I'm also going to give that a six. Uh, Hicksburg. Almost solely for uh, the uh, Clancy Brown's character. I'm giving us a four, though. So, yeah, I might come back to this one. I don't know. Okay, um, initially I was going to give this one a four, but I marked it down to a three as we spoke about it. Shadows. Shadows. Uh, I'll give it a five. I, I really did. I brought it down at least at least two points. So. Wow. wow. You were going to give this one a seven? Yeah, at first. just I was so happy to see Batman. Oh. But then, you know, we I remember just how bad how badly they wrote Terry. And, and we, yeah, we really did nothing but rant about this episode, so... I, I'm probably have to come back to this one because I think I might be overgrading it. I agree. I think you are overgrading it, and that's why I'm giving it a three. Uh, crime waves. I guess a one. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a two marked down, but I think that was a pity two. That is getting a one, and taffy time. I give it a three. I'm gonna give taffy time a two. Batman, stop! You're hurting him. Like he hurt you? He didn't. He was protecting me. Yeah? From what? Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from the Zeta Project. Those being Rose Reunion, Kid Genius, Absolute Zero, Wired, and Resume Mission. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Podcast.